Welcome to Above Par Fitness. This is the first podcast that I'll be doing of many. Um, starting off with this season for Training Basics, and this is the first episode of that season on Training Basics, where we're going to talk about training periodization. And uh, before we get started, I should also introduce myself. My name is Peter Romaker. I'm an ACSM, American College of Sports Medicine, certified personal trainer, but more importantly, I've got about 16, 17 years of experience with uh, training in the gym, um, training myself for bodybuilding and just personal um, physique and health goal purposes, and also have uh, some experience as well over the last few years training and coaching clients. Um, in an online coaching capacity to help them reach their goals as well. So without further ado, let's get into the first podcast of training periodization. So today we're going to talk about what exactly training periodization is, why we periodize our training, what are the benefits of doing so, We'll talk about the origins of training periodization. So where did it come from? And then we'll get into kind of the meat and potatoes of this podcast, which is going to be the considerations that we need to take into account when building a periodized training program. So let's start off with what exactly training periodization is. So in short, it's basically a systematic way that we can manipulate the variables of a training program to allow for ongoing progress and the ability to break through plateaus in muscle development. So this can pertain to hypertrophy, which is, you know, training to increase muscle size and also um, strength adaptation. So training, training for greater strength and the ability to move greater loads or more weight. So a periodized training program is comprised of three primary components within its structure. Uh, the first being the macro cycle, which is, which is essentially the entire training program. Uh, this can vary from a few months all the way up to four years, although we commonly see a macro cycle or basically the training periodization training program uh, about one year in duration. Next, we have mesocycles which make up the macro cycle. These can be several weeks to several months in duration. And then the smallest structural component um, that we have is the micro cycle, which is usually one to four weeks in duration. And this actually contains the individual training sessions. So why do we periodize our training? So the human body is resistant to change and it adapts to the stimuli that we throw at it to try to produce the changes that we want. So, you know, the weight training and the exercises that we do to try to increase muscle size, so muscle hypertrophy, as well as what we might do to try to increase strength and move more weight in different movements. So we have to periodically make changes to avoid plateaus, which is basically where our progress and the adaptations that we want level off 
and we no longer move forward, whether it be, you know, gaining muscle size or uh, gaining additional strength or whatever it is that your goals might be. So we need to make changes periodically to avoid um, the body adapting completely and stopping to build the adaptations that we want. So periodization allows us to manipulate the variables of a training program in a systematic way. And this can consist of a number of different variables that we have at our disposal. Um, some being the frequency of training sessions, reps that we perform within a set, the sets themselves, rest periods between sets, the amount of weight that we use, the various exercises that we perform, and more. So in addition, we will make appropriate changes to frequency and intensity of our training to allow for the desired adaptations that we want to occur. So we make these when we realize that we're approaching um, a plateau and we need to make changes to continue to progress. And I also want to note um, within the concept of periodizing training is also the inclusion of deload phases, which we work into our periodized training program to prevent exhaustion and overtraining and thus enable the ability to continue to progress towards our goals. So what are the origins of training periodization and where did this stem from? So training periodization comes from the general adaptation syndrome, which is a theory that an Austrian scientist by the name of Hans Selye from the 1930s developed um, almost 100 years ago now. And this theory basically states that the body undergoes a triphasic or a three-phase response to stress. So in our case, the stress that we're um, putting our bodies under is the training that we're performing to try to achieve the adaptations that we want. So the first phase is the acute fight or flight response to the new stressor. The second phase is resistance to the stressor via supercompensation when repeatedly exposed to the stressor. So in our case, this is when we're performing the training that we have prescribed for ourselves, the body is able to supercompensate for a period of time to um, take on the appropriate adaptation. So increasing muscle size or increasing strength based off of the type of training that we are performing. And then thirdly, the last phase is exhaustion. So if the stressor, if the basically the training that we're doing um, at a certain intensity, certain frequency, and so forth persists for too long, we end up in a state of exhaustion, which is kind of a disease state where the body is not able to progress. And, you know, we can start to lose the progression, the adaptations that we've been able to build through our training program if we continue too long without appropriate rest and recovery. So that is exactly where the deload phase comes in that we just talked about previously. So we're going to jump into the considerations that we need to take into account when we're building a periodized training program. 
I'm going to talk about some general thoughts and considerations um, that I want to start off with before we talk about more of the additional variables. Um, then we'll talk about volume, frequency, load, rest intervals, effort, tempo, and lastly, exercise selection. So just to start here with regards to the considerations we need to make when we're building a periodized training program, um, per the general adaptation syndrome theory, a training microcycle should be continued just long enough to produce an adaptive response. So this means um, we don't want to go too long so that we enter that exhaustion stage that we just learned about. So once we get close to that exhaustion stage, we want to reduce intensity so that we can keep the adaptations, the, basically the gains that we've made, and avoid exhaustion, which results in you know loss of that progress. In addition, um, it's important to note that occasional functional overreaching, so pushing to that near exhaustion phase is beneficial, kind of like I was alluding to. We want to get as close as possible to that exhaustion phase without going over the edge and entering into it and thus um, causing negative feedback and you know losing some of the progress that we've made. Um, functional overreaching, while it is good, it must be brief, um, kind of like we've been hitting on here. If it's uh, too long, we can enter into an overtrained state um, in which, you know, decrease in our muscle gains, so decrease in muscle size or decrease in strength and so forth can occur. And in severe cases of overtraining, you know, going too far into that exhaustion um, phase, rhabdomyolysis can result. So this is where we have um, breakdown of the muscle itself. So the um, proteins that make up the muscle are actually kind of waste and enter into the bloodstream as the muscle itself is breaking down. So we would first see myoglobulin um, release into the bloodstream when rhabdomyolysis results, and then um, more commonly known creatine kinase. And um, you know the release of those muscle proteins into the bloodstream is bad, you know, not only because your muscle is breaking down, um, but also because the kidneys then have to process that protein and it's very tough on the kidneys and can cause issues with the kidneys. Um, but let's not go too far down that rabbit hole. And lastly, to maximize the results of a periodized training program, um, we need to remember that external variables like nutrition, sleep, stress, and supplementation have to be on point. So the first variable I want to talk about here um, with regards to building a periodized training program is volume. And volume, in short, is basically the amount of exercise performed in a given time period. So when it comes to um, training, we often kind of look at things on a weekly basis. And um, the easiest way to quantify volume and kind of the most common way is to set volume um, to track it over time. So this is where we're looking at the number of sets performed for a given muscle group to quantify the volume for muscle groups and the body as a whole. So meta-analysis of current research shows that 10 or more sets per muscle group per week is a good starting point. Um, so probably best to start at about 10 there. Um, and this is specific to hypertrophy-focused training. Um, it's important to note that inter-individual response to volume exists, uh, meaning that each person is going to respond differently to different amounts of volume. So 
the key concept here is start low and determine what works for you. Work your way up and uh, find the sweet spot for what works for you in terms of volume. Uh, there's an important concept of budget. So just like you know, you have a financial budget, you bring in so much money from your job, um, there's only so much that you have available to spend. Um, in the same way, your body has a budget for volume in the sense that there's only so much volume that your body can recover from in a given week. So we don't want to be, you know, going past that and not being able to recover from it, which results in us not making the gains that we want to. And then in addition, it's important that you prioritize volume on a needs basis um, based off of your goals. So if you have, you know, some legging muscle groups, like maybe um, your hamstrings are legging behind your quads, then in a given week, you would want to dedicate more volume, so more sets to your hamstrings than you might want to to your quads so that you can bring those up. And it's also important to keep in mind that many multi-joint exercises, um, so compound movements like a barbell squat or like bench press or deadlift um, or like a barbell row or something like that, that involves two or more joints, they significantly activate supporting muscles. So we need to take that into account when we're defining the volume that we want to do for um, for muscle specific exercises for muscles like the biceps or triceps, for example, as um, multi-joint exercises also tax those muscles. So that impacts the um, amount of uh, direct sets that you'd want to do for those given muscles. The next variable is frequency. So frequency is basically how frequently a muscle group has worked. And again, we're looking at this on a weekly basis. So per um, the most recent research, a maximum of about 10 sets um, per muscle group should be performed in a given session. So this means that if you needed to perform 20 sets for back in a week, you would want to split that up across two sessions. Ideally, you do 10 sets for back in one session. So maybe on Monday, you would train back with uh, 10 sets. And then maybe you know Thursday later in the week, you'd do uh, the other 10 sets for back and split it up. And we do this to ensure that muscle protein breakdown that occurs when we're training does not exceed the rate of muscle protein synthesis, which is the repair and um, rebuilding of that muscle to a bigger and better state following the breakdown in training. In addition, we want to limit our training sessions to less than 90 minutes. Um, about 60 to 90 minutes is kind of the maximum um, that you want to hit for your training session durations. Um, this is because we see that longer sessions often result in reduced intensity and effort just because it's difficult to maintain you know, high intensity and high focus for such a long period of time. And when we have reduced intensity and effort, we get suboptimal gains. So it's better to um, split out your work across sessions if your training sessions are exceeding 90 minutes so you can make the most of the work that you're doing. In addition, we want to take at least 48 hours of rest time between training a given muscle group so that it has enough time to recover and rebuild itself bigger and better than before. 
And um, lastly, I want to note regarding um, kind of a microcycle structure aspect here. Uh, when it comes to total body training, um, so say if you're to do three total body sessions in a week, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for example, um, there definitely is more frequency for the muscles that are being trained. Um, but we find that um, total body training is better for strength um, because um, splits allow for more time for muscle groups to recover and thus allow for larger training volumes to uh, be undertaken um, as the muscles have more time to recover between sessions to be prepared for the, the next session. So basically we wanna usually keep total body training um, for strength focused training. Um, of course we can use splits for strength as well as we get more advanced, um, but um, splits in which we're doing um, a couple of muscle groups. So maybe like chest and triceps on one day and back and biceps on another day, just for an example, are better for hypertrophy training and the larger training volumes that um, innately come with hypertrophy training. The next variable in consideration when we're building a periodized training program is load. So this is basically the amount of resistance that we use for an exercise. So load determines the number of reps that can be performed. And we want to make sure that we're choosing a load um, based on the target rep range for the exercise so we can hit that target rep range using the load that we've chosen. So when it comes to rep ranges that influence the load that we can use for the reps that we're performing, there are three um, that we want to adhere to. The first is low, which is usually about one to five reps, um, which is best for strength training to increase muscle strength. Um, using low reps, um, you'll experience the highest mechanical tension throughout the entire set as you're able to use um, significantly heavier weights as compared to doing um, sets with more repetitions. And uh, this is best for um, strength adaptations and stimulation and training of the central nervous system. Next, we have the moderate rep range, which is about six to 12 reps. Um, this is usually best for muscle size gain, so hypertrophy training. Um, we have relatively high mechanical tension um, throughout the set and um, so a substantial amount of metabolic stress due to um, the increased duration of the set. And then lastly, we have um, high rep range, which is anything that's 15 or more reps. Um, this rep range is best for local muscle endurance adaptations. Um, and we see with high rep ranges, um, low mechanical tension at the start of the set. And um, that mechanical tension gets greater throughout the set um, towards the end when fatigue sets in and it's tougher to move that weight, um, even with it being lighter. And of course, with um, high rep sets, we see very high metabolic stress um, in the production of a greater amount of metabolites, um, particularly lactic acid being one of those metabolites. And um, that's kind of why, as mentioned before, um, we can use high rep training for muscle endurance adaptations, because um, when we use that, uh, we can allow our body to develop an enhanced or you know increased ability to buffer 
lactic acid and remove it from the muscle to allow us to perform um, additional repetitions. So bottom line, um, when it comes to um, load and the rep ranges that influence the load that we can use, we want to vary our rep ranges over a periodized training program just to take advantage of the synergistic benefits. So um, we can do low rep ranges um, to increase strength, and we can do um, high rep ranges to increase our muscle endurance adaptations to allow us to perform more repetitions. And we can combine those together. So for example, for a hypertrophy program using moderate reps, and um, you know, if we've done a period of low reps, we can theoretically move more weight for those moderate rep range sets. And then if we've you know, also done a period of high rep training, um, when we come to that moderate rep range period of the training program, we can then also do you know, maybe a couple more reps due to the um, buffering adaptation that we've been able to build within our muscles from the high rep training. So that allows us to push more weight for more reps, which means um, you know, greater mechanical tension and metabolic stress and thus greater gains um, across the board. So next, we have rest intervals, which is the amount of time from the end of a set to the beginning of the next set. Um, so we've got basically three rest intervals that we can choose to use, um, short being 30 seconds or less between sets. And we often use these for high rep sets to induce a greater metabolic stress and metabolite buildup to um, take advantage of that lactic acid buffering adaptation to allow us to do more repetitions. Then we have the moderate rest interval, which is about one to two minutes between sets. Um, usually um, for the moderate rep range, we wanna do about 60 to 90 seconds between sets for single joint movements. So like a biceps curl, for example, and two minutes for multi-joint movements. So for example, you know, bench press or squat, we wanna rest for about two minutes between sets. And then of course we have the long rest interval, which is three minutes or more between sets, which is best for um, low rep range, heavy loads when we're training for that strength adaptation. The next variable that we've got when it comes to building a periodized training program is effort, which is basically how hard an individual is training. So I wanna talk about this one a little bit because um, effort's gonna be a little bit different um, based on the individual and their experience um, and how long they've been training for and at what level of seriousness they've been training at. Um, so oftentimes we hear that, um, you know, you should train to failure, you should go all out or, you know, balls to the wall for each set, um, otherwise you're not going hard enough. Um, but in reality, research shows um, that failure training uh, for training um, for hypertrophy or muscle size gains um, is not necessarily beneficial. Um, although it may be beneficial for advanced trainers. So those who have um, many years of experience of training hard or, you know, bodybuilders. So if you are one of those individuals, you know, you're an advanced trainer or you're a bodybuilder, failure training is probably a tool that you want to have in your arsenal 
um, for making gains and making improvements. So kind of as mentioned um, before, the required level of effort um, has an inter-individual inter variance. So we need to determine what is best for us. And this can kind of go back to um, our own experience and um, kind of time spent training, how long we've been training for. Um, and oftentimes the longer that we've been training um, and the longer we've been training at a higher level, the more appropriate it is for us to exert more effort and um, train to failure on some of our sets to try to um, achieve the adaptations that we would like. Um, for those who are not as experienced training um, or who maybe just haven't been, you know, training very hard on a regular basis in the gym, but more so going through the motion, um, flipping the switch and all of a sudden, you know, going balls to the wall and training to failure on every set or just about every set is not going to be a good move as your body's not going to be able to recover from that huge shift in um, effort that you're suddenly giving. So when we're not training to failure, um, there is a concept that we need to use um, to ensure that we're you know, putting in the desired level of effort to bring around the adaptations that we want to develop. So that concept is repetitions and reserve. And um, this is basically a number system that allows us to determine you know, how many more reps uh, we could do for a given set and thus kind of determine the effort or the intensity that we want to use on sets. So if we had a repetitions in reserve or an RIR of zero, that means, okay, we reached muscle failure and um, we did as many um, reps as we could and we could not perform anymore. If we had an RIR of one, that means, okay, um, we're doing as many reps as we can up until the point that we feel like we could do one more and then we stop and it kind of continues down the same path of logic. So the next variable that we've got for a periodized training program is tempo and tempo is basically a speed with which we perform a rep and it is related to the three types of contractions which we'll talk about here. So the three types of contractions that we have are concentric, which is what we call the positive portion of a repetition where we lift that weight against gravity. So if you're doing a biceps curl, it's when you're bringing the weight up um, to just about your shoulder. And then we have the eccentric portion of the repetition. So this is often thought of as the negative portion of the rep where we lower the weight and direction of gravity. So this is when we're lowering the weight from about the shoulder um, down to about your thighs, just below your, your midsection for a biceps curl, for example. And then we have the isometric portion, which actually occurs at the top and the bottom of the lift when the weight is stationary. So I've got a tempo example here in the slides. Um, if we had a 3-0-3-0, tempo indicated for a biceps curl. Um, the first three indicates that the concentric portion, so bringing that weight up to about your shoulder should be about three seconds in duration. 
the next number, the zero, indicates that, okay, when you get to the top, that isometric portion there, when the weight stops moving at the top, should be zero. So basically there's um, no time spent there and we immediately moved into the eccentric phase where we lower the weight down. And that three for the eccentric phase means that we have a three second eccentric of lowering the weight from about the shoulder position um, all the way down to the starting position. And then the last zero in this tempo is the bottom isometric phase. And this means that there's basically an imperceptible um, bottom isometric portion. We immediately go back into the concentric to perform the next rep and bring the weight up to about the shoulder. And I want to touch on um, mind-muscle connection here because um, uh, tempo is is great. It's a it's an interesting concept, but in practice, um, it's best to stick with mind-muscle connection, which is where we're focusing on engaging the muscle throughout the entire movement. So we're trying to, you know, kind of get inside of the muscle with our head and be connected to it, ensure that it's working throughout the entire movement and that we're not taking any tension off of it throughout the entire movement that we're performing. And then I also want to mention, um, as I see a lot of people kind of missing the eccentric phase, so missing that phase where we're, you know, lowering the weight against gravity. Um, this phase of the exercise is just as important, if not more important than the concentric. So we want to ensure that we're controlling the weight fully throughout the eccentric phase so that we can stimulate the muscle fibers to the maximum extent, which means maximum gains. So if you're just you know, dropping the weight or, you know, not controlling the weight through the eccentric phase of the movement, and you're missing out on 50% of your gains. And lastly, the last variable I want to talk about for developing a periodized training program is exercise selection. So exercise selection is basically, you know, what are the various exercises that we're going to perform over the course of the periodized training program? So when we're choosing exercises, there's some considerations we want to take into account. The first being that muscles have multiple sites where they attach to the bone. So this means that a given exercise um, might increase leverage in one aspect of the muscle and decrease in another. So thus there's importance in having variability in the exercises that you choose for a given muscle, um, just based off of where they apply leverage um, across the muscle. So we wanna choose um, exercises and sprinkle those exercises in that apply leverage um, to different aspects of the muscle. Um, secondly, muscle fibers don't always span the entire length of the muscle, interestingly. So there are some muscles um, in which we can target portions of the muscle. Um, so one example would be the upper and lower segments of your abs. We can do um, exercises that target the upper portion more so than the lower and others that target the lower portion of the abs more than the upper. So, you know, if we wanted to hit the upper abdominals more and focus on those, we could do a traditional crunch on the floor or if we wanted to really focus on the lower abdominals more, we could do a hanging leg raise. 
So again, kind of similar to the previous point, this means we need to pick exercises and um, sprinkle a kind of a varying um, amount of different exercises in that target and hit the different um, groupings of muscle fibers in the muscles themselves so that we get even and symmetrical development across the board with our muscles. So with regards to multi-joint and single joint exercises, multi-joint exercises being compound movements like a um, squat, bench press, deadlift, single joint exercises being like a leg extension on a machine or a biceps curl, um, multi-joint exercises really should be the base of your program. Um, the multi-joint exercises are going to allow you to stimulate the most gains through moving the greatest amount of weights. Um, so, you know, squatting, deadlifting, bench pressing, doing, you know, s different forms of rowing movements and, and so forth. And then we add in single joint exercises based on our unique needs. So we sprinkle those in, you know, to work the biceps and triceps um, specifically, um, maybe in some cases, um, some shoulder exercises, of course, like some lateral raises. Um, but really, we want to have the base of our um, programming be centered around multi-joint exercises. And then lastly, um, when it comes to rotating in exercises, um, there are some differences when it comes to the goals that we're training for. So if we're training for strength adaptations, uh, we want to change exercises less frequently, and we definitely want to have a huge emphasis on multi-joint exercises here. Um, changing exercises less frequently for strength training and strength adaptations allows for the CNS or the central nervous system to adapt to that movement and kind of learn the most efficient way to um, perform that movement, which thus allows you to move more weight. Uh, but when it comes to hypertrophy, we want to rotate in exercises more frequently. And we do this because this ensures that all the muscle fibers are worked um, and that the um, different ways in which the muscles can be leveraged are also worked in an even fashion, thus ensuring even and symmetrical development of the muscles. So I thank you guys for um, listening to the information that I had to present on um, training periodization. Hopefully this is beneficial for you guys to understand a little bit more regarding um, training periodization and how you might be able to leverage it to, um, you know, build the training periodized, uh, periodized training program for yourselves. Um, if you need guidance, if you need help with um, building a program, that's what coaches like myself are here for with our, you know, decades of experience to help guide you in determining what is most appropriate for you to do to reach your goals. So reach out if that's the case, if you'd like some guidance. Always happy to answer questions and to help out. And I just want to point out here um, today, a lot of the information um, that I provided in addition to my experience um, personally for the last um, 16, 17 years of training, um, has also come from the book, The Max Muscle Plan 2.0 by Brad Schoenfeld. Um, great book about um, uh, training periodization and uh, definitely something that is worth a read.
So thank you all for your time today and uh, stay tuned for future podcasts and content from Above Par Fitness. Thank you.